Good morning, good afternoon, good evening to you, wherever you are, and welcome to the 4Play podcast episode number 15. I am David Turner, and I'll be joined today by my fabulous co-hosts and music brothers, Alan Jones, Darren Parr, and Mark Hollywood. The premise of these podcasts is that we pick a theme, and then we each have to choose four songs or albums related to that theme. In today's show, we're going to be talking about B-sides. If you enjoy the show and the banter, then do head on over to our Facebook group, 4Play Podcast, and let us know your thoughts about today's choices and what you would have picked. As some of you have asked, we don't get to play any other songs in the show, but I will include a Spotify link for the today's selections in a dedicated playlist. So, without further ado, let's get on with the show. Hi guys, doing this on a Monday evening, for the benefit of our listeners. Yeah, makes a change, doesn't it? Why not? Yeah, greetings from sunny Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. sun's still like in the sky here. Yeah. shining in Luton as well. Yeah, yeah. it's a bit overcast down here in Devon. I don't know about you, David. But... Yeah, yeah, we've had rumbling thunder. Um, anyway, yeah. Yeah. we're indoors. Mark's outside, but you look safe out there. Um, so <laughs> let's let's crack on with it, shall we? And um, we're doing B sides tonight. So that should be uh, yeah. a, a bit of a change. Yeah. B sides or B sides. There's not many B sides in the world to choose from. No. <laughs> nah. there's, really, there's, not that many. there's a lot more A sides out, isn't there? I wonder how many there are. There's there's more A sides than there are B sides though, aren't there? Yeah. Yeah, because you've got double A sides. Yeah. You got it. Yeah. I don't know. Don't have a double B Mark's side. Not, yeah. Oh sorry. You know what the old saying is: you do like I do like to be beside the, the B side. Oh. <laughs> Almost ruined Jeez, your own one. Just get, it just get worse. Well, I've already said that last week. I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Got away with it. Oh. <laughs> you think so? Uh, no. Okay. Let's. Anyway, if you're going to kick us off. Yeah, I kick off. Then, uh, then it'll be yourself, Alan, then Darren, and then Mark. Okay. Copy this. So, um, I start off with a question because I know we like a question. Um, Paul Weller, he's, he's been in our thoughts in the last few shows. Um, he told The Guardian a few years ago that he only considered three of his songs to be truly perfect. And he's not included That's Entertainment, The Changing Man or Going Underground. Wow. One of them's a jam song and the other two are his own ones. Any guesses as to what? Uh, I go up. for a town called a town called Malice. Yeah. Well, on that B side. I'm just saying on A sides at the moment. Oh, A sides. Uh, I go for it. Like, uh, really like, you, uh, you do something to me and a town called Malice. That's what I go for. Uh, mm, it could be something like the going underground start or or even David Watts. No, no. Any any guesses your side? Darren? Eating rifles. None of us got it right, yeah? No, no, no nothing, yeah. There was no style. It's an A side. These, these are just <laughs> as... Yeah. Okay, you know I, what, I don't know. The ones I'd have gone for have been sad, actually, Dave. I'm, okay, so... Couple... Maybe. Well, of his own ones, of his own albums, yeah. um, uh, Wings of Speed from Stanley Road. Oh, very good, yeah, good track. And and going my way on Saturn's pattern. Oh, that is a good track. Yeah, that's good track. one of my favourite of his out. Well, one of my, I played that to death. Oh, 
Okay. So I should I've got three different copies of it. And and the other one is in fact Strange Town. Wow. By the Jam. Barry's only good songs, and he needs to up his game a bit, doesn't he? Perfect, <laughs> perfect songs. Well, I suppose you, you strive hard. That was only ever released as a single. It's not on an album, but maybe apart from compilations. Um, never appeared on a proper Arab album. Strange Town. I, I think you might be right. And interestingly, the B-side to that. Yeah. Butterfly Collector. Is, oh, yeah, that is brilliant. Is my B-side selection. Oh, right. Okay. See, if you'd said B-sides, I'd have said Butterfly. That was too easy, though, isn't it? So <laughs> had to go there. Because it nearly came in. Nearly came in. Nearly. Okay. So. Um, th- I'd this, have been sitting here in yeah. your pants next <laughs> He um, so this came out in '79. There's a bit of speculation at the time that when it when it came out that Weller had actually written about um, written this about the enemy journalist Julie Birchall, but a little bit of digging established that it was about someone called Sue Catwoman. So I think she was someone who kind of followed stalked various uh, or bands she was originally following around the um sex pistols and when they imploded then she tried to become part of the jams entourage and it was really all about the the band's contempt for those who were obsessed with collecting you know reflections or reflected fame from being with people rather than getting on with their own lives That's a bit bit deep, but that's uh thing. And certainly for me as a song when we when we said we were gonna do B sides. And that's what it's about. Yeah, so the butterfly collector, so but does that make sense to you? It does quite deep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. I don't I, think I know the track. You don't know? Okay. Hmm? Oh. Well we've oh, so yeah. yeah. It was um I think it was actually a uh, released as a single in the states. It was released as a single. It was a, a effectively an A side in the states when it was released yeah. later. Good knowledge. And, um, there was um, yellow. I think there's one coming. They're coming yellow vinyl. Oh right. Yeah. That's good. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Nice. It's a very good track. Yeah. It's pretty slow. It's um. It's, it's a ballad. It's by going about any the standard. same pace as English Rose, isn't it? Oh, you're right. Actually. Yeah. yeah, it's in the similar guys, you know, English Rose of Seven Sons. Mm. It's in, it's in um, a similar style it's written, but it's it's softly spoken and um, yeah, really nice and um, instrumentally bits in it as well. I must admit, yeah, which album? Really nice. Which, which album is it off the other? Um, I think it was only on it was only on as a B side, so it was yeah. independent. All oh, right, okay. Right. So, yeah, it was only... so, so, it, so it wasn't. So it was a right. Just, just to correct me, um, it was straight. a B side, but not, not on an album. Yeah, it was a right. B side to Strange Town. Yeah. Which, yeah. even though yeah. Weller yeah. said it was his, Strange Town was a perfect song. When I when I bought the single, um, I played Butterfly Collector more than I did Strange Town. Mm. Oh. I think I probably did as well. Uh, I can remember playing it. Uh, and, and how did you? 
How did you come across this one, David? It's because it's uh, because that's what we did when we were kids. Singles came out. <laughs> Back in the old days, Mark. You played the beast on yeah. it. You, you... See, see, there, there, therein lies the age gap, isn't it? I mean, I, 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 I I'm genuinely, genuinely intrigued because if it's not on the album, I wouldn't consider uh, a song being a B side. But you've just taught me something this evening, and that is. Um, it doesn't have to be on an album to be a B-side. And okay. who, who knew? Oh, who knew? Good job we got to before we recorded no. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, so, so... Um, you might have to rip up your list. You might have to rip up your list and start again, Mark. I'm going to have to yeah. rip, up, rip up my list. Yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. Rip up your list. Well, I, I am. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I will get up. Bye, mate. You need to think about some of these. A seven-inch single. Yeah, <laughs> that's well, what I, I will. I will so give you a clue. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not going to cheat here, but uh, I'm. I'm, uh, I'm going to rip up the rule book a little bit. But uh, I'll give you a clue. To, I'll give you a clue to one of mine, and it's actually um, this famous drummer's birthday today. So that's a clue. Oh. And uh, and he he wrote the track, and it is a B side. In fact, it's on an EP. Is his name Roger? Is his name Roger by any chance? <laughs> his name is Roger. R.E.P. the loud. R.E.P. the loud. Was that that obvious, was it? Uh, See, Alexa told me this morning it was Stormzy's birthday today. She didn't mention him. <laughs> I know. I know. Stormzy V. Roger Taylor. Yeah, I don't know why yeah. Alexa told me that. I didn't want to know it was Stormzy's birthday. <laughs> no, it is a good track, Dave. And also I can tell you that there's a live album, a bootleg, called the butterfly collector which has a nice really nice picture sleeve with a load of butterflies oh that sounds good recorded yeah um comes up on ebay now and again it's always going for silly money okay um but yeah no it's a lovely track and i'd say um it could have very well been in my four yeah that's Mm. good that's good okay so that's my first one um second one won't be on anyone's list. It's a novelty record, let's be honest. No, no, and and I did resist <laughs> I did resist um Jasper Carrot, Funky Moped. Good. On on the B side. Uh sorry, that was the A side, and on the B side was a magic roundabout. Oh brilliant. Uh, but this song, the A side, I'll give you the band in a minute. I, I know Alan, I'd know this one straight away. The A side was called Simon Templar, came out in 1980. That's it. So it was, it was a sort of a parody song based on Simon Templar, and there's quotes in there for. Um, Roger Moore and Ian Ogilvy at the time I think the saint was li- was enjoying a, a, a reincarnation within o- o- Ian Ogilvy and, and I'm looking at Alan no no you're, you're not too far off actually but they're not they're not quite as musical as that um, so there was a English punk rock band from Peckham um, Sometimes associated with Oi um, and also punk pathetic. No, no. Uh, 
The front. There we go. The front man's name was Max Splodge. Oh, Splodgeness abounds. That's it. Yeah, and they yeah. had that the, on the flip side of Simon Templar was two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. Please. Uh, uh, hence the hence the uh, the comedy show. Yeah. Hence the comedy show. Very good. Yeah. And if you ever heard this, I mean, it's only a couple of minutes, two and a half. It wouldn't, it wouldn't get into one of uh, Alan's because it's nowhere near six minutes. And you're really mm. just hearing this guy at the bar trying, just repeating that line: two pints of lager and a packet yeah. of crisps, with the noise right. of the bar in the background. And like, it, it evokes a moment. I think of a certain age, and I don't know about you, Al, but back in those days, trying to get a drink in a crowded bar wasn't that easy. Most of the, a lot of the people behind the, in the pubs were fairly curmudgeonly if you weren't in a yeah. local, in, in yeah. there as a local. Um, and that really captured a moment. So it, it's for me, like a lot of things, it's, it was a point in time that worked really well. It was actually something which, um, the, the there was the A-side, Simon Templar is one of those where in fact, John Peel championed it a little bit and suddenly the Two Pints of Lagos B-side kind of help the, the song get all the way up to number seven in the charts. Um, oh, that's, that's the two points was the A-side. There you go. Yeah. Was, what I mean was a was an A-side, not necessarily right. yeah, yeah. the A-side to Simon Templar. Yeah, because I know, I know, I'm aware of that song, but I couldn't, don't have a clue. I've never heard Simon Templar, to my knowledge. I've never heard Simon Templar. But I know Two Pints of Lager. That's really it, odd. I wouldn't have known The Simon Templar, yeah. More, Popular, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Well, I think it's one of Simon Templar. It starts with the sound of a car door shutting, and then someone running along gravel, and they do kind of a, a, a quick version of the TV show theme tune. Oh, uh, how does that go? You know, they're bringing back the buzzcocks, aren't they? Yeah. Is, yeah. is that not Simon Templar? Is that not the same that, tune to Simon Templar? Was that the Persuaders you were singing there? No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. But it, 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 but it goes into what I just Oh, uh, you were doing, oh. You were doing yeah, yeah, the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing the, I was doing the, uh, the chorus. Uh, uh, once again, the age difference. Uh, it's, uh, I, I remember in the days of Ogilvy, I actually had the white Jaguar XJS he used to drive, not not the actual or a model of it. Oh, I, I, I love this game. I love, yeah, I, I quite liked it. I didn't realise though until many years later that Roger Moore was the original Saint, and it's no surprise either. Either oh, yeah. he went on to become he went on to become Bond. So what year did this this single come out? Nineteen eighty. Nineteen eighty. Sorry. Aye, something like that. Moving I think, on. Okay, yeah. we'll just move. Hold on, hold on. You talked about, it's a, and for me that was wrong because Roger Moore he had a, a Volvo coupe. Uh, but Ogilvy had a Jag, didn't he? Yeah, you're right. He did. Yeah, I think it's great promotion at the time for yeah. for Jag. Wow. Yeah, that was big in the eighties. I remember. I remember the same. It used to be on, I think, on a Sunday, and um, I loved it because it was very James Bond esque. He was very debonair. And, yeah, and, and devilishly handsome. Oh yeah. There's a, there's a Luton connection here. Uh, in the 
it may be in the nineties or even I can't remember now. But it's a guy from Luton. He did who did uh, Butler and <coughs> what's his name? Uh, it's Arsenal. Oh. Arsenal. Butler and Mackey or something. Oh, McCallum. Is it McCallum? Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think he's from. I think he's from Luton. Ah. And he did a remix. I've got the single upstairs. He did a remix of the same theme. I, I don't know if it was from a film or maybe a um, probably a film at the time. Yeah, David McCallum. Yeah. Oh. Very good. Yeah. Very good. Okay. Oh, I've got there two we go. Good choices there, Dave. Yeah, yeah, good choices, man. Take Very us away, Alan. Right, okay. Um, I'm going to uh, September 1977. To be honest, there was a couple of re- sing- out single releases before this particular single came out. Um, but they were double A sides, so I couldn't choose them. Um, so I've gone with this one, and I'm happy with this one anyway. Um, so this, this is like their fourth single, and um, it's uh, it was re- it was released on the back of uh, probably one of the biggest selling singles at the time, a uh, track called No More Heroes, and um, it's by the Stranglers, and the B side. Um, was uh, yeah, so people would be from, probably familiar with, with the Stranglers if not um, you know they were an English rock band they probably formed in about uh, 1974 and in fact the Stranglers as, as a limited company did form in 1974 but they started emerging from the, the punk scene uh, in 1977 and eventually you know got a very good uh uh, record deal with uh, with the United Artists, um, but um, so they they, they starred Hugh Cornwall on lead vocal, lead guitar and vocals, JJ Burnell, John Jacks Burnell on bass, Dave Greenfield on keyboards, and Jet Black on drums. And um, this was I love this track because it was a kind of the first time I, that they were. You could hear that they were experimenting. Um, this was taken, the No More Heroes was their second album after the first album, um, Rattus Vegicus, which was really quite punky in its style. And uh, suddenly uh, you, you saw a kind of metamorphosis happening with the second album, which was called No More Heroes. And then this track of of this, of the single, the B side of No More Heroes was called In the Shadows. And um, it's uh, really a, an experimental type sound for, for the strangers at that time. So it was so exciting to hear yeah, that you did have this like mel- melodic bass going on. And you had Dave Greenfield's keyboards, meandering keyboards. You could hear these um, space like sounds. They were really spatial, like popping out. And it was almost like a kind of dub or dub stroke reggae approach to it. Um, but the lyrics itself, it's about para, para, paranoia and fear, really. Uh, it's in the shadows. 
Uh, when you're walking on the street streets at night, turn around and die of fright. What's there in the shadows? But it's it, I love it because it's so different to what the Stranglers had done up to then, and it was a stepping point for their third album, which came out um, uh, and called Black and White. And in fact, they did an extended version on Black and White. Um, but I always loved this because it was so different and. Um, I was, you know, did a bit of research on it. Apparently, it was from a jam which originally started like twelve minutes long, and they eventually cut it back and cut it back. Uh, but it's a great taster of what they were going to go on and do in future albums. Um, well, there's there's a seven-inch single for you people walking right. home. Uh, got there very plain sleeve in the shadow. Oh, nice. Yeah, um, there's two, there's actually three different versions of the single. So you've got that, which is my original. And then I didn't know at the time, but there was another one which brought out with a reef label on the A side. All right. All right. Like the single of Center of No More Years, but the B side is like that. There is a copy where the, um, the writing is actually black on white instead okay. of. Why they did it, I don't know. I think probably because uh, they pressed up so many copies and then it did do well in the charts, and so they had to press more up. But um, yes, yeah, it's, it's a really dark, uh, unusual track for you know, the Stranglers having you know, what I heard on the first couple of albums. But it, I'm intrigued. I'd, I'd like to give that yeah, a you, listen to. You've never heard that thing? Don't think so. Sorry, can we just add something here for Mark's benefit? Is that I forget when the rules kind of change, but there was always a thing about bands um, that they uh, they shouldn't release too many singles off an album, um, and likewise, and the material normally what was on the B side wasn't available on an album. So no, I think normally it was kind of a rule of thumb was you only release three singles off a off an album. Yeah, right. Um, it would have been Michael Jackson who started doing more, yeah. um, maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't think that... yeah, and they released he released like seven or five. Oh yeah. 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 Oh, and it's about yeah, six. No, it's, thriller. It's, yeah. it's funny you say that because um, I was looking. I was looking through Queen's back catalogue uh, when when we tasked ourselves with the B sides, and um, I, I noticed that there were very few of very few singles of, say, for example, A Night of the Opera, Day of the Races, News of the World. And yeah. a lot of the, yeah, a lot of the big songs that when I, I thought were part of Greatest Hits, um, well, they were part of Greatest Hits, are actually B-sides, some were B-sides. And then, as you mentioned, some were released as single A-sides in the States. Mm. So what would have been a B-side here, or even not made it to the charts, was released as an A-side. But like Zeppelin, Zeppelin never released singles in, in the UK. Yeah. However, um, they, they they focused on the US because that's I guess that's where the money was. Yeah. If you broke if you broke the US, then you'd made it. Um, that's interesting and that they limited it. But like the song could only last three and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, yeah. This was three twenty nine. Yeah. yeah. But then on the version only that was eventually appeared on the third album, Black and White. It's about four minutes forty five, I think. So you know they. I suppose, yeah, the, the, the A side is only, I think, 
over three minutes. So it's a very quick song. Uh, and commercially, it's a good idea as well, isn't it? Twenty-five, yeah. So commercially, yeah, if you've got someone who's successful, um, if you can get people to buy the singles and uh, sorry, if people buy the singles and they like the band, then they're going to buy the LP. And you don't want to be cheated on the LP by having loads of stuff you've already heard on there. Yeah. But then it means you're going to buy more rather rather yeah, than less. Absolutely. Because I, I thought it was always a conscious decision by the band just to release a few singles off the album. So, the, you know, pe people would go out and buy the album to hear the rest of it. So, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a bit of that in there as well, right? If they release every single, people aren't going to buy the album, are they? I'm just noticing on you. Like, <laughs> uh, I haven't heard that one you picked up. The correct misnomer uh, my initial research was off dis um, Wikipedia. They're saying it lasted 329. That was actually, they got that wrong. You couldn't the grooves, Alan. You couldn't the grooves. But the other interesting <laughs> thing is, side one, Side one. Okay. <laughs> and well, also, not a double A side, is it? Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a misprint there. Yeah. No more. It says no more. S T H E R E O S instead of no more heroes. Oh. Misspelled. Yeah. yeah oh, yes, interesting. When you showed the back of the sleeve as well, I, I found it interesting that the font. So in the shadows, oh no, it is the same. In the shadows, it like it was a much bigger font when you first showed me. But it's uh, not. No, it's just okay. an optical illusion, I think. Okay. It's bigger on us. It's about the same. Yeah, it's about yeah. the same. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. Great picture sleeves. Nice yeah. one. Well, I can safely say this is the first podcast um, we've done, and I know none of the songs. Okay. Not even the air sides. Okay. Uh, Alan, you're a chance to make it. You're trying to make it oh, four no for four. Heroes, yeah. Yeah. Right. yeah, no normal heroes. Okay, so here's my second coming up. Um, this uh, was a B-side for uh, a band uh, probably best known for their top 10 UK single reward. Oh, brilliant. Their, uh, Bless my uh, cotton socks. They're in post-punk... Post uh, what do you say, Dave? Bless my cotton socks. I read the news. I'm in the news. I'm in the news. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, Post-punk English neo-psychedelic band formed in Liverpool in 1978. Lead singer Julian Cope, uh, keyboards Dave Balfe and Troy Tate on guitar. So best known for reward, a uh, group called The Teardrop Explodes. Mm -hmm. And... Um, this is off this, this, the, the A side, uh, was a track called Tiny Children, uh, from their second album, Wilder. It was, at the time, it was quite championed by, um, Mike Reed. Oh, really? I believe I remember. Yeah. Um, um, it's, um, how to describe, well, how, well I've mentioned the name of the track here. It's called, Rachel built a steamboat, and um, how to describe it, and what is the song about? Uh, 
I don't really know. I'm going to have to tell you some of the words and see if we can work it out. <laughs> but it's a great track. It's got it's got some lovely bass uh, going through it. Um, I don't think it's Coat playing it uh, because uh, in the second album, I think he was doing more of the, the shouting or the singing. I think they got a session player in to do the bass on this. Um, but um, but it's a great track. And how to describe it? Um, it's a it's about a woman who builds a boat in Colorado, and she calls it Nate Baby Boy. And so she builds it, and then she sails it through through the locks of Illinois through to the Potomac. What's the Potomac? The Potomac. It's, the, it's the river in it's Washington. Ah, right. Washington. DC. Potomac through Washington, D.C., so that makes sense. She goes across the North Atlantic, and the next minute she's in the English Channel, hmm. and she's on the banks of, of London town. And um, it, it says that the, the people were so revered of her that they, they you know they couldn't stop they couldn't believe that she'd made this journey on her own all right and uh the rest of the song is so they're applauding her and the, the rest of the song is them there were some soldiers who were at war somewhere 200 soldiers they were ravished with illness and disease and hunger but when they heard about what Rachel had achieved, it cheered them up so much that they won their war easily. Um, so I just think is the song about overcoming a challenge and inspiring others, maybe. Uh, but it's a really, really nice song, and it. Um, I'm probably not doing it justice. You have to hear, hear it. It's got some really, really nice riffs to it, and let's say it builds up. Um, really, really nice, really nice song, and it's off a twelve-inch, so uh, called "Tiny Children." And there's also a live track on there as well called "Sleeping Gas," which is a track from their first album uh, called uh, "Kilimanjaro." Um, what, what year was it again, Alan? That was 1982, so I don't know if mm. you guys have heard of it. I know the plans, uh, I don't know that particular single or B-side. Yeah. yeah, same here, same here. Yeah. So I, I knew no more heroes, but the BPA, so, yeah. so I'll correct yeah. themselves for the first three. Uh, I know Teardrop explodes in the, the very eccentric Julian Cope, yeah. um, w w watching some of the top of the pops. Back catalogue. Yeah. Uh, what's that? I don't know this piece. He's off his I'm going <laughs> to throw something at you, Mark. Mm -hmm. Did you ever? I'm not going to ask Alan because you don't do films. Did you ever watch Fitz Corraldo? No. Klaus, Klaus Kinski. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, did he not come up on a previous podcast? Mm, not sure we've had not him. Not sure. Um, I'm about, Dickinsky, 
<laughs> Klaus Kinski, um, he released a film in 1982, Fitzcarraldo, which was about, uh, and I, I can't remember the premise for the story, but it's actually about physically moving a paddle steamer, steamboat, through the across mm. the Amazon, was it? Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the guy, the, the googly eyes. Yeah, yeah. So, well, he's a director, but he was also the actor, yeah. the main actor in it. I, and Claudio I, I Cardinale. Yes, I have seen that film, oh. and uh, it's it's epic. It's oh. absolutely epic. And I just remember sitting, looking at it, going, what the hell? What's what's going on here? Oh. And it was late at night. I think it was babysitting my brother and sister at the time. <laughs> I, I'm <laughs> putting this out there, yeah, because we, we all know about Julian cope and he was tripping most of the time i, I yeah. think he i think he's replayed his version of Fitzcarraldo into this <laughs> into this single yeah i mean he's um he's obviously a he's, he's an arch druid now i mean he's uh in fact last week they've they've, they've only did two proper albums the third one Everybody like wants to shag the teardrop explodes came out um, a long time after they split up. And he's got some saying about why they never got back together again, and I just can't think of it at the moment. Um, but in fact, they did release a new album last yeah. Friday of uh, stuff that hadn't been released. It was half of it was early teardrop explode stuff, and half of it was. Kopi. Um, but interestingly, um, let's say he wrote most of the lyrics, did all the singing. Dave Balfe on keyboards, great keyboard player. Troy Tate was the guitarist, and he actually produced the first Smiths album. And they rejected it. They rejected it? They rejected it. Uh, but, and then they were. The, you can get bootleg copies of the recordings. They're known as the, known as the Troy Tate recordings, but it was subsequently um, then uh, re-recorded and re uh, reproduced by somebody else. Uh, but yeah, Troy Tate. So um, yeah, but yeah, um, he's mad as a March hair. Yeah, yeah, he is. Yeah. Um, just he, to briefly go back to, I love you. Sorry, just just to briefly go back to the film. Was it was he wearing a Panama hat and a white suit? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that's all coming back now. I have oh, seen yeah, that film. Yeah, yeah, yeah I just it, remember I, it being something crazy. Yeah, here's the man. Oh, here's the man, Julian Cope. Yeah. For the benefit of those watching the uh, snooker in yeah. black and white. <laughs> saw them live. Saw them live once um, in the in the front row. Right in dead centre, Hammersmith Odeon. Oh, they should have been on stage. Brilliant. Yeah, right in the front. <laughs> but there, yeah, Rachel built a steamboat, clocking in at four minutes fifteen. Have a listen, pop pickers. I've got lots to listen to here. Excellent. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, every single one of them. I'm looking yeah. forward to the uh, to the playlist. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Over to you, Dasmond. Right. Okay. Well, I think I can put things right for you now, Mark. I'm pretty sure that these are going to be a couple you'll know. <laughs> so we should be all right. Um, so I've gone for something. You cast your minds back to 1995, uh, first of all, in a battle between two iconic Britpop bands. 
I'm sure you'll all know exactly what I mean there. Blur and Oasis. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I thought you were, I thought you were going to say Spice Girls and something else. <laughs> Spice Girls and Melinda Carlisle. No, it wasn't well, West Side and Boys, though. <laughs> yeah, that's more like it. <laughs> yeah. Worth for those bands. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, we're back to the Britpop days. Um, one of those, you, you tended to side with one of those bands. I was certainly more a Blur fan and still am to this day. I think I appreciate Oasis a lot more now than I did at the time. Um, but they're also, they're also very of their time. So I'm not sure. I'm, I'm still a Blur fan. But I have gone for an Oasis track. Um, I think they were kind of, they became known almost as the masters of the B-side. Uh, there was three or four singles where they put fantastic B-sides on. Um, in fact, I nearly went for one called Master Plan uh, today, but I haven't gone for that one. So I've gone for... The B-side of, uh, it was originally on their single, Some Might Say, which is their first UK number one single. And for a band to be brave enough to put a fantastic song on the B-side of their first single, uh, it was a song called Acquiesce, which has actually become probably one of their best known hits. Um, And it was only a B-side. Acquiesce uh, is to accept something reluctantly, but without protest. And there were lots of rumours at the time that this song was about the Gallagher brothers themselves, uh, but that's been refuted since. And they said it's about friendship in the widest sense. And not that. But whether you believe them is another matter entirely. Um, but this was written by Noel Gallagher. Apparently he was delayed on a train while he was writing songs for the first album, for Definitely Maybe. Uh, during the interruption to the journey, he just sat there, wrote a few things, and came up with just a B-side for their first single, but may or may not have done very well who knows uh, but they went on to the song did brilliantly and this song since has been released as a radio single in america um it also has been put on their greatest or kind of greatest hits they did called stop the clocks which was an ep essentially but kind of the greatest hits um and it's being put on yeah it's just ever since then it's become absolutely brilliant um, the verses are sung by Liam Gallagher and the chorus sung by Noel just simply because Liam couldn't reach the high notes. So <laughs> Noel always kind of helped out when the singing got a bit tough, I think, didn't he? Um, but yeah, if you don't hey, know... what you're saying, our kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was put on the Greatest Hits album, actually, because it was voted for inclusion by fans on their official website. Because they said, <laughs> what songs do you want on there? And that one was one of the only B-sides that came up. So, yeah, that's, a, that's an excellent choice, and uh, I'll, I'll I completely agree with you on the uh, the Blur Oasis. It is it's obviously very back then. You know who was going to hit number one? And, yeah, uh, I was I was more a Blur fan because I thought their music was it, it was clever. I thought it was yeah. clever. Yeah, they're um, they're the more intelligent band, I think. Also. Yeah, yeah. They were yeah. still doing such clever stuff now. Yeah, with with gorillas and uh, yeah, I, I went to well, I, I went to see. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a story. I know Patrick, who's listening, and he likes uh, he likes the stories. But um, I reluctant. Well, I wouldn't say reluctantly. I mean, it's like just a bit like U two and the Zoo tour and pop tour. You, you had to have a ticket to see this great band. Yeah. And Oasis came to play in Cork, uh, Cork City, and they were been backed up by the Prodigy. I think it was nineteen ninety six. 
And uh, I took my girlfriend then, girl Sandra. Um, he just basically moaned all the way, um, and it was just it was it wasn't. If she's listening, hi Sandra, but you were just a, a pain on the arse that day. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> she complained about everything. Hey, anyway, Sandra. Uh, hi Sandra, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> uh, we we ended up. This, the story goes that um, Oasis played after the Prodigy. The Prodigy were a better outfit, and um, we had to get back from Cork to Dublin City. And it was basically the last train. We ended up sleeping at Connolly Street Station because she didn't want to stay in the B and B that I had booked um, in Cork. Wonder she didn't. She didn't, she didn't like the look of it. I wonder why. <laughs> but uh, I, have, I have to say, yeah, it, it was. It's the first and only time I have seen a girl in Cork uh, or anywhere skip a queue for the ladies and then proceed to um, do her business in a urinal. In the men's and get a round of applause. Yeah, <laughs> classy act, classy act. Uh, so that was that's my one and only experience. My, my one and only experience of going to see Oasis. Uh, I, I hold on, hold on. Song. Just got to say here, she acquiesced. She acquiesced. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I say not only acquiesced, but she 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 she. she um, she got a 10 out of 10 for a performance anyway. Uh, <laughs> Brilliant. I saw, I saw them at West Point in Exeter many, many moons yeah. ago. And yeah. uh, Liam, Liam Gallagher had one of his famous little tantrums on stage. Somebody had yeah. one of those laser pointers. And oh, oh, yeah. Flashing it into his eyes. And he, he said <laughs> a couple of times, look, you've got to stop doing that. Stop doing that. And then they carried on. He stopped. He threatened to walk off stage. And he said... If you lot don't kick that bloke out of here, I'm not going to carry on playing. Well said. So the, the bloke ran pretty quick. And they carried well, on. So, oh, good for him. Yeah. I don't agree with him much, but I do there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, a, it's a pity he wasn't there when, uh, when Denmark were playing England. Yeah, yeah. Nothing happened. It was green. It was Nothing an Irishman. Happened. Oh, yeah. It was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The final as well. Great, great, I tell you, great, great choice. Um, yes, really, I, I really like that one. And they, they, they were when you look back at it, and I'm, a, I'm very like yourself. I love Blur, but knowing now, uh, or, or just uh, I guess as you get older, you, you go back and you look at uh, definitely very you know worthy of their place in, in uh, musical history. Um, however. <laughs> Yeah, the Gallagher, the Gallagher brothers. Uh, um, yeah, I've got, in the words of uh, the great Mick McCarthy, I've got mixed emotions about that too. Those two. Mixed emotions. Um, I just, I think that they're, um, do they really dislike each other that much? Um, I don't think so. And I think they're in it for the, eventually for the big comeback. There'll be a few bobs spent. I like You know, that. like Simon and Garfunkel. Yeah. When I know that, um, that, that 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 was genuine. Oh, Simon didn't didn't want to do anything else with Garfunkel because he wasn't contributing yeah. enough. True. Yeah, that's true. Like, you know, Liam as well. True. Whereas Arkin, I know both been quite Arkin and Arkid. Yeah, I think Noel gets frustrated with Liam, doesn't he, on things like that? Mm. Certainly has. Well, Noel. 
arguably no well i wouldn't say arguably i think without a doubt no is the more talented of the two yeah. um he's the songwriter <laughs> and the, uh, he's, he's the guy who got them to where they where they, they are or were and where he is now mm. i mean liam gallagher fair play they've, they've done a few they've had solo efforts and uh, noel gallagher's got his band and their latest single was particularly good so he's still got he still got it in him. What I found though in the later Oasis albums uh, was that you know they have been heavily in- influenced by the Beatles, and a lot of it was trying to not not to pay homage, but to emulate them. Mm. And that and just doesn't anyway. work for me at all. If I want to listen to the Beatles, I listen to the Beatles, and not yeah. listen to Oasis. You know? Yeah, definitely their major inspiration, isn't it? Well, uh, didn't he write a track? Um, no, not no. But um, what was the band he formed uh, before he's kind of going solo? What were they called? High, uh, high flying. Birds. No, no, no. Oh, uh, BDI or was that Liam? Was that no? No, BDI wasn't it? Yeah. BDI. They wrote a track on there called the Beatles, and he wrote a track called the Beatles and the Stones. Yeah. And that sounds like the Beatles and the Stones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, uh, it's not a bad thing. Is that not a line from a song, "The Beatles and the Stones"? Yeah. yeah oh, it's, it's it's all it's it's all the young dudes by Monty Yeah, 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 right. <clears throat> so, Never go Beatles and the Stones. What a drag! Too many. Yeah, yeah good track. <laughs> they, they they did write a track called "The Beatles and the Stones." Okay. Not in, in the guise of BD. BDI. Then they did a Coley did a couple of uh, a couple of albums. Definitely got them. So I guess that was the yeah. equivalent of Blur the Oasis, wasn't it? You might might be doing them too much too much grace. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I've said it before. I mean, I'm I'm more a Beatles man. Um, and uh, I'll, I'll probably fall out with it, some listeners when I say I'm more McCartney than Lennon. But uh, Lennon wasn't, unfortunately, given the time to, um, well, in, in a short space of time that he had, he did he did some great things. But um, I, McCartney, for me, is a bit of a genius. And I think they, they, they say, God forbid, if he, he came to the same demise, people would appreciate his music more. People yeah. tend to revere folk who suddenly yeah. you know come come off everybody the mortal coil you. everybody loves you when you're dead yeah yeah that's the b-stripe bus that's the b-side by the stranglers oh, how is that is that for, is yeah. that for the next episode then <laughs> nice <laughs> nicely segue there alan yeah. yeah um and the beatles of course they had a quite a few ace b-sides didn't they they did they did. Yeah. That's right then, Daz, what's your second choice? Yeah, okay then. So um, I'm going to quote a bit of literature for you here to start mm-hmm. off. Yeah. So um, this is a, a line from Middlemarch. And we'll see if you can guess the song from the line from Middlemarch. This is where the, the inspiration for the lyrics came from. To be born the son of a Middlemarch manufacturer and inevitable heir to nothing in particular. So that is, I think we've had these song lyrics quoted before, by the way. I think it might have been Alan that pulled these out of the bag in one of the shows. Um, so that is the quote from Middlemarch. 
Um, this song contains only one verse, which is repeated twice, and a chorus and a bridge in there. And it's about the subject is subject of the song is an individual who has, I guess, anxiety, sort of crippling, um, crippling sadness and shyness, and is unable to find a partner. So the lyrics are: I am the sun and the air of a shyness that is criminally vulgar. I am the sun and air of nothing in particular. Yeah. <laughs> of nothing in particular. Yeah. So we're we're talking about it. Really. <laughs> what song, Alan? Yeah. It's the Smiths. Yeah, it's the Smiths. And how soon is now? How soon is now? Um, I hope I haven't been a bit naughty here because it was originally a B-side, so that's okay, right? Yeah. Uh, the B-side in 1984 of William, it was really nothing. Um, which, I mean, it's still a big Smith song, but How Soon Is Now has become absolutely iconic. Okay. Um, no problem. It was featured on a compilation album um, on, on Hatful of Hollow. Also, on certain editions of Meet His Murder, it made it on to. And there was clamour to release it as a single, and it was released in 1985, uh, where it got to number 24 as an A-side, and then re-released again in 1992, where it got to number 16, which I couldn't think why. I don't know why it was released again in 92. Anyone's got any ideas on that? Um, was it like a forerunner to, like, um, Louder Than Bombs or something like that? Or one of the other compilations. They finished by ninety, by ninety, haven't they? They finished in like eighty-seven, I think. Yeah, yeah so I was, was running to the to the greatest hits, like or the, what they call louder than bombs, or no, they were all out. Was, they were all out in the eighties. Ah, right. Yeah. So I, I, was, I didn't have time to look it up. Actually, I forgot to look it up, but I was going to look up why it was re-released. Maybe an anniversary or something. I, I was going to go with the same um, answer with it, as Alan gave uh, yeah. that. That maybe it was it was just the end, the end of the Smiths, so they thought that uh, you know do something like that. But perhaps it was an anniversary of it. I know he was. Look on the, the, look on it. Have look on it. Any clue? Yeah, have a look. Have a look. But um, Johnny Mars since then, Johnny Mars said in the two thousands that he thinks it's possibly the Smiths' most enduring record, and he thinks it's most people's favourite, which is <laughs> when it started off as a B side. And it's just got that amazing Johnny Marr. Only Johnny Marr yeah. like Johnny Marr. Yeah. And that amazing riff at the start. As soon as you hear that, you know it's either that or Hippie Chick by Soho that sampled it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that song? That Hippie Chick, that started with the How Soon Is Now riff. Yeah, yeah the, the, the riff at the start of that song is, yeah, it's, it's, it's iconically Smith's. And... Um, that's a great choice. It'd be one of my one of my top three favorite Smith songs for sure. Yeah, it's up there, isn't it? Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Even if it wasn't a B side, it would be in my you know, certainly my top three Smith songs. Yeah. Wow. I didn't know it was a B side. I didn't know it was a B side, but yeah, it, just, it started out as one. Yeah, I've got all of their seven inches actually up in the attic at the moment. So that's eighty-five. It's on that. Yeah. Yeah. That's eighty-five as an A side. Yeah, that's right. That's what we said. Yes, it was yeah. eighty-five. Yeah, but it's on the back of William. It was uh, William. It was really nothing on the B side, um, and it because it didn't chart very well, which was unusual for the Smiths at the time. A lot of people are putting it down to the fact that it, it had already been a B side. It had already been on compilations, so they think when it was released as an A side, people had heard it, people had had it, 
didn't need another copy. And there's only Smith yeah. fans who bought it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Great, great choice. I'm liking that. Yeah, thank you. You got some good 12 inches there, Al. Yeah. You don't mind me saying. I've, no. I've got them all on 7 inch, but I'm, I'm lacking a few 12 inches in my collection. No, I tend to go for the 12 inches because yeah. um, better quality and you normally got. Yeah. No, to, to Alan, to Alan, to Alan, it's, it's a 12 inch, but to the rest of it, it's actually seven. <laughs> yeah. Oh, they're, they're quality, these quality. Yeah, they're nice. Uh, yeah, so I'm sorry, I can't help you. No, that's all right. I, I will find out. Maybe I'll find out for next time. Yeah, maybe I can add it at the end of March if I find out. Oh, yeah, it's a great track. It's a... Yeah. And um, um, I think Morris track. played that the last when I the last gig I went to uh, before lockdown. I saw Morris. I'm sure he. I'm sure he played that. He doesn't play many live. He doesn't play many Smiths tracks. But no, I'm sure he but, played that. Yeah. And yeah, um, he, he does that one sometimes. And there's a light. He occasionally pulls out the bag as a solo. Yeah. But no, he doesn't do many. But that's a great instrumental on that as well. I think, isn't there? What? How soon is now? Oh no, I'm thinking of something else. I'm thinking of barbarism begins at home. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, is it, is it true that uh, Johnny Marr wrote the music and then he, he he'd send the music over to Morrissey, and Morrissey would then put the words to it? Yeah, I think is, so. Is that, yeah, so yeah. it's really, really unusual. Like if you look at Elton John, Bernie Taupin, that kind of thing. Um, it was it was actually Barry Tolkien wrote the lyrics and then you, you put the music around it. Mm. Whereas it's the it's the flip side, and I'm sure it's really difficult. Someone writes a piece of music and you take it out of your head to, to write the lyrics. Yeah. Take, taking us back to the last to the last uh, band Oasis. Just listening to a, an interview with Noel Gallagher, and he actually does it that way round. Writes, writes that he composes the music. And then, mm-hmm. then spends forever trying to find the hook to get the lyrics going. Once it go, once he's got it, then normally it goes straight away. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Actually, you know, we were talking about that guitar sound, Mark, at the start, and yeah. the weird effect. Apparently, the song was originally going to be called Swamp, and what what Mar wanted, he put the microphones a long way away from where he was playing, and he wanted that kind of eerie swamp-like sound. Mm. Yeah. And it, it took a year or two until they changed the name to How Soon Is Now, but originally it was called Swamp, and that was the kind of weird effect he wanted on the opening riff. Great, I like that. Great title for a song. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you what, if we ever need a, a Smiths expert, uh, my friend Nicky Lloyd from back home in Wales, I think he's up to about, he's seen the Smiths and Morrissey about 55 times. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. Yeah. Wow. So, if we need an expert on the Smiths, Nicky's your man. Yeah, do you know, I've, I've got, again, I've got a friend called Stolly, who I hope he's listening to this, Paul Stolworthy. And it's, um, he's never seen them because we were that much too young, but I would say he's an absolute authority on them. So him yeah. and your mate would get on like a house yeah. fire. Yeah. I'll, I'll have to wear my uh, Smiths t-shirt for the next, uh, for the next podcast. It's got, yeah. it's got, it's got Bubba, Mel, Delia and Maggie on a, yeah. it. <laughs> it is actually it it does say the Smiths in in their you know they're writing that iconic yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, 
on the top, and then you've got uh, Bobo from Police Academy, the <laughs> Luke Whip, Mel Smith, Mikey <laughs> Smith, and Delia. People do a double take. They do a double take when, when I'm wearing it. <laughs> That's brilliant. <laughs> so you want to one of my prized possessions. Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's, um, that's... That came with, um, from Record Store, I think it was, Record Store. And they were yeah. giving out, like, he doesn't sign very much. And I think they had, like, 20 to give away if you bought the single. Right. Every day is like Sunday. And it came with that. And I was one of the lucky 20 to win a wow. sign Morrison poster. Sorry, for, for, view, for, for viewers, Darren is showing us uh, a signed cover art or just uh, art it's, photograph. Yeah, it's like a pose of him in the England shirt. Yeah. Starting down the side, uh, if you can see that. Wonderful. Yeah. We'll take, we'll take, uh, we should take a snapshot for the listeners. And, uh, oh, yeah. I'll, <laughs> you know what? Let's out. Yeah. Out on there. Yeah. Darren, come That's bring it back. Bring it back. Brilliant choice, that, that. Keep, that. keep it, keep it hold, keep it held there. That's good. <laughs> cool, got, got it. it. Yep. Excellent. Yeah. You're so, full of, you're, you're, you're so photogenic. You know that. <laughs> I try. <laughs> Sadly, Morris is not even here. He's more photogenic than the four of us. <laughs> but that's his new style <laughs> signature. And I've also, I've got one which I've. Never had verified with his old style signature. He used to sign like a little child, and then he really changed and he developed this yeah. really nice flowing signature. But I've uh, never, I've got one by the whole band, and I've never verified it. But I think it's true. It's from Rough Trade, apparently for a competition. So who knows? He's, uh, he's yeah. got a new album coming out. Yeah, and uh, he's going to give it to the company that pays him the most money for it. Really. I mean, he's, he's struggled a couple of times to actually get a label. He's released a couple himself, I think. It's something it's funded, and it's, it's a weird, a weird title again. I can't think what it's, it is now. It's something about children and homework. Something really weird. Oh, is that I'll not? Have to look it up. That's the last album, or something like that, wasn't it? I know, but it's very similar. I know though. That, that was um, the last album. Now, hang on. God, I've gone blank. Um, so we should have this on our Patreon edition, so for Smiths fans only. Yeah, Low in High School, wasn't it? So yeah, Low in he, High School was the last album, or one of the yeah. album. No, no, because he brought out another one after that. Yeah. In fact, he's brought two since that. There was the yeah. one week, California, something. Son, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And... Um, I'll still buy it, even though I'm not. I don't like Morris as a person these days, but I need the. Album. It's a really unusual title. I can't find it now, but yeah, right. uh, to the highest. It's going to go to the highest bidder. Uh, how much? How much? How much? You, you putting in for it on? <laughs> <laughs> Two pints of lager and a packet of crisps. <laughs> <laughs> very good. Yeah. Very like fitting. Uh, good choice, Dad. Thank you very good much. Good choice. Okay, so let's go over to Mark now. Yeah, so uh, I did mention earlier that it was um, a certain gentleman's birthday today, 72, but I'm going to let you hang on for the choice because uh, we've got two or three choices from that. Um, my my first choice is from a band led by a guy who was uh, born in Northamptonshire or Shear, wherever you're from, depends where you're from, before he um, 
Cobblers. It's yes. a standard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, um, his family lived in Scotland for a while. say it's true. <laughs> it's true. It's true. I, I never get it right. I never get it right. And uh, so his family lived in Scotland for a while. He's certainly in Oxfordshire. He's, he was influenced by the likes of R.E.M., Pixies, uh, the, f- the first album of, of, of any note, well, to me anyway, was Pablo Honey. Uh, but this this was the one that captured me. Others would uh, arguably say that the uh, OK Computer was the better album. But uh, for me, this came out in, I believe, 1995. I would have been second year uni at Dundee. I remember hearing Creep at Dancing Up the Disco, jumper, Bumper to Bumper. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, where's my jumper? Um, I remember hearing Creep thinking what a fantastic track that was. But this it wasn't it was that was off Pablo Honey. The bands though, um, start to finish is is just a, is an absolute work of work of art. And uh, the B side that I'm talking about is actually from I think it was the fourth release off this album. So they had My Iron Lung, High and Dry. Uh, was a, I think it was a double A side with Planet Telex, Fake Trans- Plastic Trees. Just sorry, it was a fifth release, and it's Street Spirit Fade Out and. A lot of the um, the uh, radio heads, um, they would say that this is one of the most popular B-sides. And um, it's called Talk Show Host. And uh, it, first, it first appeared, as I said, on the um, Street Spirit Fade Out um, single. And it was very uh, trip-hop, a bit like Portishead, they say. Portishead Dummy. And it was also remixed for uh, the film Romeo and Juliet. Um, if if anybody's interested, uh, when we were linking films with uh, with our favourite tunes, so um, I, I just find that it's you know typically Radiohead, very dark, um, but incredibly accomplished music-wise. There's just everything going on there, and um, what it's about. I have absolutely no idea, but the lyrics are pretty choice. Um, I, d- I don't want to swear on a, you know, on a, a Monday evening, but um, <laughs> the, 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 the verse, uh, the verse says, uh, "You want me? Uh, effing well, come and find me. I'll be waiting with a gun and a pack of sandwiches." And uh, I could think of no cooler um, psychopath. That has a gun uh, and a pack of sandwiches, just sitting there, just sitting there waiting for you. Um, the decider would be is what has he got in his sandwiches? Well, exactly. If it's corned beef, you're effect. Yeah. You know, if it's cheese and so, pickle. I'm not, yeah. Cheese and cheese and pickles are not up from that. You're talking Ted Bundy there. <laughs> I think you tuna, know. at least a nice piece of. Um, Lean beef, but maybe a little bit. Um, say hello, and, say hello, and, to some, and some English moutard. Yeah, say hello to my little sandwich. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, short and sweet. I don't know if you've heard of it, but uh, this this one, this talk show host goes in, and uh, it's it's obviously. I mean, when you when you listen to the lyrics and you, and you you just listen to how dark it is. Uh, I, I was hooked on the album, but I didn't think they could come out with any B-sides that were equally, equally as, as good. Um, 
this obviously missed the album and I don't know why they didn't put it onto OK Computer but they just have ample um, material to work work on um, it's simple but it's um, very very effective when you listen to it anybody get any views on it or yeah I have definitely yeah um, it, do you know what all the other tracks you mentioned I know a lot more I do remember Talk Show House and I remember yeah. it being a good track but I certainly can have a listen later on but it's if, from what I remember it's classic radio head um, oh, it's and I, 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 the Benz I definitely think is their best album by a long <laughs> well not by a long way the Benz and OK Computer and everything else is fair, a bit further behind but yeah. So this is off OK Con- Computer. No, no, this is from the bands. It's not on the bands. I think I've said this before. It's an album yeah. I haven't picked up. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, you've got yeah. to. Alan, it's it's a must-have in your collection. Yeah. Really, heard the bands. You like radio no. at all? You've got to. Yeah, I've got the. the I've got OK Computer, and I've got. I've got I'll have to go and have a look now. Carry on. Yeah. For, for the benefit of those in black and white watching Snooker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's away again. Yeah, I'm a big Radiohead fan. I've got, I think I've got all their albums, I'm rightly saying, which must be, must be about 11 or 12 now off the top of my head, I think. Yeah, so I, I was a bit like yourself. I was thinking uh, I, can't, I can't go choosing Queen B-sides. I can't, can't go choosing four Queen B-sides or uh, Zeppelin or even U2. No. And there are some great, great B-sides of the uh, Actung Baby album. Yeah. yeah Fantastic. Was it the, the Lady with the Spinning Head? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, yeah. that's a belter. And Salome, oh, which is another yeah. great one as well. Oh, there are some great tracks. Yeah. Yeah. And they could have easily gone on to a U2, a U2 album, but, but they didn't. Yeah. Um, one's quite anthemic. But I chose this because it was just completely out there and um you you get where tom york and the band are at it's just it's so dark and and almost i don't know clandestine it's just um sends a shiver down your spine you just wonder where it's going yeah well i I think it's isn't it about where it comes from and you know from those Mm -hmm. lyrics um it's about the fact he is obviously not happy being interviewed and yeah, I've got quite a lot, and I've got yeah. a few albums as well. Showing uh, off, I saw Kid A. I haven't got the Benz. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to get that. You need the Benz. Yeah, what saying, Red Nose is a good album as well. You got that, David. What, what were you saying about? Yeah, where he was coming from, and well, where so you know when you look at the lyrics, obviously he's had he's he must have had some, I guess multiple bad experiences with talk show hosts. Um, or having been on talk show hosts. And uh, it reminds me of the story by the um, guy who has a podcast, Chris Chris Hardwick. Um, a very techie guy. He's, he, he's, he's, he called himself a geek, uh, a nerd. He's, he's into sci-fi, figurines, likes quite a lot of music, bonds with the likes of Edgar Wright and all different people and Simon Pegg, loves all of that. Um, but in his in a former life, he worked for MTV, and I think it was sort of reasonably early days of MTV. And he would have been the person who received the calls or got in touch with the people who they were going to be speaking to and interviewing. And do you know who his biggest hero was? 
Tom York. And yeah. can you imagine so, the day when he was said, you need to get in touch with Tom York. Um, he's going to be on the show. Um, <laughs> you, so, that, and, and he was completely, made, he was, and he tells a story how excited he was to, to, to be putting the call in and to pick it up. So that's what he did. Got through, checked who, checked who was talking to the right person. He said, look, he said, I know it's maybe not professional, but I just want to say I'm one of your biggest fans. I bought everything you've done. Uh, I love everything that you do. And it's a real honor that you're going to be on the show. And then yeah. York just ranted at him. <laughs> he, he just went off on one. So has never affected his view of the music, but um, whether or not he's got a different view about Tom York as a result of that, I don't know. Um, he, he wouldn't have said that on air out of respect for him, uh, I'm sure. But again, I think that sort of adds, adds a bit more sort of background into you know where, where this one came from. Um, like just looking at the lyrics, those lyrics that, that we were talking about on there. Um, I want to find someone else or I'll explode floating on upon the surface for the birds, the birds, the birds. You want me? I'm going to say it now. Fucking well, come and find me. I'll be waiting with a gun and a pack of sandwiches and nothing, nothing, nothing. I mean, it's it's someone someone who's had a really bad time about it, hasn't he? And they get to yeah. voice their opinions. You know, good luck to them. Absolutely, and uh, no, no, no better way to do it than through verse and music. Um, I, I mean, it is it is obvious. I thought talk show host might have been a a euphemism or a cover up for something else. But it is that blatant. It is about a talk show host. Yeah, and no doubt when they were breaking through, their music was slightly off at a tangent it wasn't mainstream oh. um it's alternative wasn't so it i think were, originally it was considered yeah, alternative al alternative yeah so you, you could see the likes of nme well not so much nme but you know the mainstream um magazines record magazines sticking the boot into them but there was one magazine i, I used to subscribe to q mag they absolutely loved um radiohead Mm. You know, they'd fall, fall over themselves for them. And they, they did help their, their popularity and, uh, you know, get them into the mainstream. I mean, don't, we shouldn't take away from the fact that the bands and OK Computer are just masterpieces. Uh, but I can imagine, I can well imagine Tom York having a bit of a short fuse, not putting up with any shite, and, uh, yeah, sticking it, sticking it back to them. So it, it reminds me a little about, you know, it's... it's um, subtle messages like death and two legs on the United the Opera album is all about uh, Queen sticking the boot into Trident music before they parted parted ways uh, because they were being shafted for uh, royalties and what have you. Yeah, but um, yeah, fair play. I, I love. I just love it. Got anyone who's listening out there, even if you don't like Radiohead, give give this one a listen to. It's um, but yeah. but not if you're not if you're really down. Um, try to <laughs> listen to it when you're, you're not in front of the kids. And not in front of the kids. And not, not when you're too chipper either. When you're kind of on a level playing field. Yeah. Give yeah. it a listen. I think I don't know if there's anything in this, Mark. But I'm just looking at the lyric. It talks about floating upon the surface for the birds, the birds, the birds. And weren't you chasing a bird just not so long ago oh, in, your, in your greenhouse? Yes, I was chasing a donut. Before we came on air? 
a baby Donnick. I was trying to get it out of the greenhouse, but to no avail. What it did was uh, uh, the um, the the doors in the greenhouse were left open because it's obviously been very very hot, and there are some things in there that if they get too hot, they're not great. So I left the, the doors open at night, and obviously a little. He looks like a Donnick. He's 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 not a ram. He got in there and uh, went in and heard this rustling. And there he was, the poor wee fella. He's no, no bigger than the size of my palm. So um, he eventually coaxed him out um, with a broom, <laughs> with a brush, <laughs> and uh, put some water down and uh, and, and some bird seed. Oh, so he had a sandwich that, and a gun. Yeah, he had a, he had a, he had a fucking gun and a sandwich, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> he was ready for me. So uh, he, yeah, he's, he's out there, and I just hope the fox isn't prowling about tonight. Hopefully the thunderstorms will uh, look after him tonight. Yeah. Keep, keep the fox away. <laughs> All right, Daz, what were you going to say? Uh, I think I was going to say just a lot of people, um, after OK Computer, I think people's um, enthusiasm for Radiohead waned a bit. Uh, but I would say to anybody out there, have a listen to their last couple of albums. I think maybe they, some people would say they lost their way. I I kind of followed them and liked them all, enjoyed them all the way through. But certainly the last couple of albums, I think they've rediscovered their mojo a bit. So if yeah. you're listening, has ever gone off Radiohead, try it try again. The, the last one was something cool, wasn't it? Uh, uh, yeah, Moonshake's Cool. Yeah. yeah. It's up yeah. in the 200. <laughs> Uh, very good album. That's, that's good advice because actually I did move away from the master OK computer. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll I'll do that. If, if you can hang on some. I'll do that. You know, the last. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's strange. I haven't looked. I, I, I bought them. Yes, yeah, see that one, Alan. Kid, Kid A is a really tricky one to get into. Yeah. That's a tricky little album. I've it always been thought they were you know, really good. But. Yeah. And the, the rainbows, and then yeah, this is right. a but, hail to the thief. But yeah, that, Darren, isn't, Darren, isn't this about, you know, some people, or the, 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 I think people unwittingly think there's a contract between them and the band that they love. So if you listen to album mm. one and love it, and then album yeah. two and it's similar and you love it, then when you start when they start deviating away from yeah. those first couple of albums, then some people will struggle with it. So oh, of course, yeah. I, I know yeah. that with with you know David Bowie's good example is, you know, once once you've gone through, let's forget the nineteen sixty nine stuff, but once you've done Hunky Dory, then every yeah. album there was a there was a gear shift or there was a, a shift in direction. Yeah. yeah, we only like what we like, don't we? You know, yeah, but yeah. So, so, so. That, our tastes do change. Well, as I was saying earlier, Dave, about when I was uh, my two tracks, the Stranglers, the Stranglers, there. yeah. You know the, the the in the shadows track that that featured on their third you know although it was a B side to No More Heroes that featured on their third album. Okay. You know, so I suppose it, and, and that just made me want to listen to more. Yeah. So I suppose it's yeah okay. There were there are some bands who had a great first album, the difficult second album, and the third album kind of went off into the sunset. Yeah, um, but then they maybe found themselves again, and then you got the other bands. You they never made a fourth album. But, uh, but also, some of that isn't that something to do with 
maybe not so much these days as people aren't tied into five-year deal or five album yeah. deals or whatever it is with the um with the record companies but you're if you're sick if you're lucky enough or you were lucky enough to get a deal with a with a record label you needed to produce so much you also expect to keep the or your sales at the same level or higher so there's yeah. a it, it, does that compromise then um yeah artistic intemp- uh, uh, integrity that you, you're going to try and make sure you sort of put something on a game that you reckon is going to be a banker rather than, than to maybe what sits in your head, you know, you and go in a different yeah. direction. Yeah. 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 Well, good choice, Mark. It's not a truck I know, so, oh, but I mean, I know the band, but. Well, if you think that's, if you think that's a good choice. Yeah. I am, um, um, yeah, um, <laughs> I'm really. <laughs> I, I can't yeah, I'm, I'm. I'm actually excited about this one because right. it's not just. It's not just my favorite B side. It's my favorite Queen song. Oh, okay. right? wow. and that and that is that is saying something. That's massive. When you think big statement. Yeah, that is yeah. a massive statement. So, um, it hit me the first time I heard it, and um, a huge. I, I, God, I'm born the arse here saying how how massive a fan. Of Queen, I am to the point where my uh, my daughter Grace actually she uh, I've, I've kept this I came over uh, the, the Father's Day cardigan and it was Freddie Mercury it's Clint you know Clint the the artist oh yeah oh, but, right. instead, but instead of instead of the face of this beautiful woman it's it's Mercury with his tash from <laughs> I Want to Break Free so she knows me she knows me inside out anyway oh, yeah. she knows she knows i like my art but she knows I like my queen anyway I'm, I'm digressing slightly uh yeah this is this is off their fifth album and it would be my second favorite album so my favorite would be sheer heart attack 1970 well it, it started making it 73 it came out 74. this one came out in 76 after um a night at the opera it's a day at the races of course um you know, so many track. Well, tracks you remember off it. Somebody loved "Tie Your Mother Down" and "Teo Toriate Let Us Cling Together," which was played at the opening ceremony of the Olympics on Friday. Oh, so Queen are massive, massive, were massive in '75 onwards, and still are massive. Uh, you can tell by their following on Twitter and that in Japan, they're huge. And yeah, Teo, Teo Toriate was the last track on side B of the album, but the second last track, written by the drummer Roger Taylor, whose birthday it is today, yeah. is a song called Drowse. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I heard it for the first time many, many moons ago. I think it was down in Tralee, County Kerry. It was one of the tapes that I, was it, I bought it on tape. And um, I listened to it over and over and over again. And I just got hooked on this song because I guess I could empathize with the words. And I came across this website that summed it up perfectly. It's called explodedqueen.wordpress.com. And the guy sums it up beautifully. And I'm going to plagiarize completely here because I couldn't do it more justice than this. The guy says, this is definitely my favourite Roger Taylor one so far. A drowsy, hallucinogenic, melancholic perspective on teenage life. 
It touches on his early use, using rock and roll to run away things, but focuses more on the hazy feeling of being trapped before the escape. It's gripping for something with such a drunkenly phased guitar line. And the, and the line is, it's the sad-eyed goodbye yesterday moments I remember. It's the bleak street weak-kneed partings I recall. The mistier mist, the hazier days, the brighter sun and the easier lays. There's all the more reason for laughing and crying when you're younger and life isn't too hard at all. It's just perfect. And what, what you notice about the likes of May, Mercury and Taylor, uh, they're, they're very distinct in their writing. Mer- Mercury was very, uh, he was very much a fantasist, and he, he obviously, I think he took some of the stuff maybe from Zeppelin, you know, the March of the Black Queen and Fairy Fellows Masterstroke. It was almost uh, very J.R. Tolkien and, and and other things, all other such influences. Brian May was more into uh, love in a, in a very rock way. Tie your mother down, however, is a bit disturbing. But I think Taylor was much more simplistic in his in his ways. Like Tenement Funster, um, you had uh, I'm in love with my car, Drowse. And it's just, it's, it's the simplicity of youth and him reminiscing as an adult into his youth. And I just, it was so great in those days. Um, but it's so mundane now. But it's a bit tongue in cheek because he knows that he's he's part of the, one of the most successful bands in the world at the time. Um, he's yeah, it, it's almost it, it is. There's there's a slight influence of Pink Floyd about it. Um, the guy goes on to say that he's recalling his childhood through a burnt out lens. Um, and then he says there are twin sensations of being trapped and sleepy. But there's also a nostalgia and a real awareness that it's that there's a self-deception. I just love it. It's a great song, and if you haven't heard it, please please do. It'll be on the hopefully it'll be on the playlist. Um, yeah, of course it will. It, yeah, it finishes off with uh, thinking it right, doing it wrong. It's easier from an armchair. Waves of alternatives wash at my sleepiness. I'll have my eggs poached for breakfast. I guess. And then he says at the end, it tails off. He says, I think it'll be Clint Eastwood. No, Jimi Hendrix. He looks good. And he starts thinking about people who he'd love to be instead of the great drummer that he, he, he is and was. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's great. I still say, though, John Bonham's the greatest drummer of all time. But Roger Taylor is. Roger Taylor is undoubtedly the sexiest. He's up there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's my second well, choice. Well, I must have played that album many, many times. Obviously, not for a long time. So I, I just can't place that track. I had to have a quick listen there. Yeah, it's it starts oh, off most a... tracks on the first. Well, certainly uh, played them more times than I can remember. You know, particularly on um, Night at the Opera and Day at the Races. Yeah, it's it's so, uh, so uh, yeah, that, yeah, that. It's just it so out of, Yeah, it's out of tilter with the rest of the album. So you have this kind of bombastic, um, you take my breath away by Mercury, you've got the Millionaire's Waltz by Mercury, you've got this absolute belter of a song opening up the album, Tie Your Mother Down, and then it it flip-flops through John Deacon, You and I, 
You and I was actually the B-side of Tie Your Mother Down. In most of, well, all of Europe pretty much. Drowse was the B-side in America. So I've cheated a little bit here. Um, Drowse was the, yeah, Drowse was the B-side on the American release of Tie Your Mother Down under the Electra label as opposed to the EMI label. Oh, good. Um, I've recently purchased it off Discogs. That's so all about You own it. You own it. That's it. I own it. It's legal. I own it, mate. Legal then. I'll not say where. I'll not say where. I've got a picture. I haven't got a picture of it, but I will put a, get a picture of it, and uh, we can post it on the uh, we can post it on the on the blog or whatever. Cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, give it a listen. It's great. It's it's completely off at a tangent from the rest of the album, but for me, it's yeah, it's it's a grand thing to say. But it's my favourite Queen song. And if there are any Queen listeners out here, they'll think I'm absolutely barking mad. <laughs> that's amazing. I'm going to have a good listen to it. See what yeah. it but that's definitely... It's up against some big tracks, Mark. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because I, I, I can't... You know, so we were rock Queen track ever. Yeah, I would say so. Wow. Um, you know, you've got... There are some tracks like Fat Bottom Girls that I, I just love. Um, oh, some from the early 80s. Radio Gaga was the first Queen song that properly got me into them, probably got me hooked. And there are so many from well from the 70s that, that are just downright brilliant. But drives for its simplicity, um, but its true message, and it's, it's, uh, it's real... Just candor is is my my favorite song, and the fact that it's sung by Taylor and not Mercury, yeah, makes it all makes it all the more special. It's you know, written he, by him and sung by him. Written by him and sung by him. Did he do that? Um, tracks were any? Yeah, he did. I he did the the B side, the Bohemian Rhapsody. I'm in, I'm in love with my car. Oh yeah, which is which is a Marmite song, and I just love it. Yeah, <laughs> I just love it. Um, he, he 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 writes in a, in a very simplistic way, but when you when you dig deep, you, you start to get it. Yeah. And, and and this is one this is one of those songs that you um you you, you begin to see the meaning of it all. He expresses it in not a flamboyant way, but just a very straight straight back way. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Freddie did the flamboyant. <laughs> oh. Completely. Yeah. The, 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 now, there was the other great B side. I would say, and I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not stealing anyone's thunder. But the other great B side that Queen had uh, was off uh, an album called The Game. It was a B side to another one, Bites the Dust, and it was called Dragon Attack. Ah. And, it, and it's actually on the album as well. Yeah. So a lot of Queen, a lot of Queen B sides were actually on the album. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, as opposed to. Yeah, as opposed to my first choice, which wasn't on any, any of the albums. No, no. Wow. Should we do a quick quick round the houses then? Who else? What a favourite Queen song, Darren? But the Queen oh. song. Oh, that's, oh, that's a, a tough one to answer quickly, isn't it? I've always, asked, I've always had this thing for back chat. Yeah? Just because of the groove to it. Um of hot space i've said that before mark haven't i have indeed back chat it's like a disco track really i mean yeah 
Sorry, Darren, I was just briefly going to say... Aside from that, Killer Queen. Yeah, Killer Queen, yeah. yeah. It's it's definitely in the top five of, of my favourites, but I was going to say a little bit about Hot Space. Um, I've, I've started to listen to these guys called In the Lap of the Pods. David Kenny recommended uh, their podcast to me, all about Queen. They, they critically um, assess Queen's you know, back catalogue. And I, I wouldn't say arguably, I, I'd say 95% of all true Queen fans would say that Hot Space is the, the most questionable um, because it's just, it's not Queen, it's pure okay. disco. And the reason why they did that was because of the success of Another One Bites the Dust mm-hmm. off the game album, which was the previous album. They thought, listen, we're on a winner here. Let's release that kind of disco album. You can tell me and Taylor were not happy about this at all. Uh, Deacon and Mercury ran with it, and uh, they released Hot Space, and it was a a major flop, with the exception of a couple of tracks. Under pressures on it. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. 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 Cover. I love the cover. The, the four colours. Yeah. Water drawn. They're all in. Like you can see there. The outlines of their their faces and that. Oh, yeah, I love it. That's that, that, that's going to be my fiftieth birthday kick. I've already put the order in with Claire up in Dundee. And, and you'll have a quarter to yourself. Which which, <laughs> which quarter? I'm not going to eat anything. <laughs> yeah, I think for me, you got obviously you got the big tracks, which are classic Queen tracks. But I think I've said before that I was a kind of Radio Gaga child. But around that era, I think I'm right in saying, Mark, probably was it just after Radio Gaga? The Show Must Go On was such a brilliant song. That was, yeah. was going to be mine. Was it? Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. yeah, there you go, David. We got yeah. something there in common. You, 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 can't, you can't listen to that without shedding a tear, can you? No. Yeah, yeah that, that, that came out. Phenomenal song. Um that, that came out on the Innuendo album. And yeah, what makes it yeah. all the more special is that we knew that he was, well, we all, well, we didn't know at the time, mm. but obviously he did, and him and the band knew that he was on his last legs. And uh, the, the words to that are so stark uh, in, in hindsight. It's, yeah, even, even thinking about the song makes you well up. So much going an excellent choice. We, we heard you, the, you the, so we heard the, um, the, the tracks being played by Gary Davis, I'm not sure, when we came back from France one time, and I remember we were on the M25, and we were listening to these songs, we knew what the score was, and blubbing away when you listen to when you listen to that. And, I mean, that's, yeah. the, la- that's the last track off Innuendo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he knew it was happening. And the artwork, we're all, in, we're all, we're all talking about our records here, our, you know, our LPs. Mm. The artwork on the Innuendo um, yeah. album is is exquisite. If you were to get one album of Queen's simply for the artwork, I'd buy Innuendo. It's a cover. Is it like a jester or something like that? Or like a, juggling, is he? Yeah, juggling. I'm trying to picture. Uh, it's no, it's it's a yeah, it's a guy. He's juggling and he's standing on a on a world. Um, oh. Now I'm just gonna there treat go. here. And find out who the, the, the artwork was. Yeah, we got it. Oh, I'm on David. It's yeah. it's um it's an artist called Granville, mm. and it's not it's not the guy out of Open All Hours. <laughs> good, 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 good. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, he's, he's juggling like planets yeah. on a banana and standing on top of the world. Nice. And it's so out, it's so out there. Um, yeah, released in February '91, and it, I think it was the yeah it was the first album they released on Hollywood Records. Oh, my yeah. name, my namesake. Yeah, Hollywood took over from EMI. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and I don't know if they had uh, both um, the rights to Europe and the States because they were split between EMI and Europe and Electra. Um, I was lucky enough to find a News of the World album under the Electra label and and a and a guy's Ooh. loft. Well, it was it was my brother's mate's loft who kindly gave it to me and said, "There you go, have that." So it's That's it's that. still on. Yeah. So I've I've got that. Hello. Great package, by the way. Oh, superb! Look at that. Oh, Alan's got his Where'd big collection, eh? Where'd you get that? Put in the mark, worth having. Where did you get that? You got it. Oh yeah. Oh, I thought it was a framed. I thought it was framed. No, no, no. I it's do. the back of the thing, back of the box. Yeah. I do have it. Yeah, it's up here behind me, actually. Nice. It's up here behind me. Yeah. All the yeah, different vinyls. Yeah. The Alan. studio collection. Alan, put that up again for me. They, uh, they remortgaged the house when Alan told me to get that. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't cheap, was it? No, it certainly wasn't. I'm still saving up for it. It's absolutely worth it. I took every single vinyl out once. I took every record out once I bought it, played it once, put it away. Yeah. Yeah, and, and never, yeah. I had a really good Queen experience today, but I've got to tell you about. You'd all have loved it. Um, <laughs> I was, I'm running uh, for the sake of the listeners. I'm running a summer school this week, um, and we're kind of doing confidence building, and we're doing a bit of a talent show. One of the young lads today, he's only eight years old. He came up to me, he said, "Oh, I said, what, what do you want to sing? What are you going to do in the talent show?" Thinking he'd come out with something from Fortnite or you know something from TikTok, he went, "Oh, oh, do you know we will rock you?" I said, "Do I know we will rock you?" And we were all, <laughs> <laughs> we were loving it, and he's going to do yeah. that talent show on Friday. So yeah, great little great. Interestingly, um, a few websites that you go on to say that "We Will Rock You" was the B side to "We Are the Champions." I yeah, always I thought that. Well, I always thought it was a double A. Oh. I always thought it was a double. Yeah, I thought it was a double A. But... Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. Now you say that. Yeah. God, massive B side or double A. Massive, huge B side. Yeah. 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 Unbelievable. Yeah. So, so that's that's my choice. That's my second choice. Bryce, Roger you. Taylor, and Queen. And and thank you, Darren, for bringing the energy up at the end. <laughs> no yeah. worries, you're welcome. <laughs> you notice how we all joined in there. Yeah. <laughs> to tell you though, I feel really feel sorry, and she shout out here for one of Mark's a big Queen fan, but one of the before I met Mark, the biggest Queen fan I knew, apart from Paul Hurlow, I was in school with, um, was uh, Haroon Kalik. I uh, worked with him in, in the first branch. I worked. He was a massive Queen fan. And he was in the fan club and um, they sent invites out and said, like, look, if you want to be in the um, Radio Gaga promo video, 
then we're going to be filming it. So he entered it, he got lucky, and he got an invite to be able to go. So he would have been filmed, you know, doing the, they were all, <laughs> they were all given like uh, uniforms and all that. I think they were allowed to take all those uh, home amazing. after they were used. And the sub manager wouldn't let them have the day off. Oh, you're joking. <laughs> well, I think, I think you did, I think you did mention this. This, this is pinging a memory for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, how good would you be? It's a bit like that. He was story. absolutely beside himself. Yeah. I, I, I always remind him of that whenever I see him. <laughs> Mr. Demont, the, the sub manager, wouldn't let him have the day off. That sounds, that sounds very like uh, me reminding my mother, God rest her, of um, the time she denied me a ticket to see Queen play at Slane in the 86. Oh, yeah. And uh, I brought it up every Christmas I was over. Yeah. sat there at the table and just waited for the right moment, you know. And uh, usually after Christmas pudding, it was never it was never before or after main course. Well, it was it was uh, yeah it was later on in the day, you know, when she had a few and she could Ooh. take it on the chin. But uh, <laughs> oh dear God, yeah. What if? What if, guys? I think we should bring it to a close. I, I think I confidently said that this would be one of the shortest ones we had. It is officially yeah, the longest. Yeah. <laughs> that is dreadful. It is. It. it is. In a Hollywood special. But it was fun. It was great fun. It was great yeah. fun. Guys, have I taken up have I taken up nearly an hour? How long have I taken up? No, no. Uh, uh, no, no. Yeah. Only, Four, forty uh, minutes. I don't know. 40. 40. I can talk some shade, can't I? Yeah. It takes yeah. it takes two it takes two to two at least the tango, so you're yeah. all you're the all other, responsible. Well, and uh, uh, Darren and, and Dave were chipping in a little bit as well. So. Yeah, I'll be talking about you. Blame me, blame me. We always do. Okay, looking right. forward to getting together again. We'll do the uh, last the the last eight uh, B sides um, in our next episode number sixteen. Yeah. Thank you, guys. Bye, everyone. Look forward. Bye. Cheers. Bye.